We're going to do some uh, bluegrass. We're going to do some rock and roll. We're going to have Leader Lunder and Betsy up here again, and then we're going to have everybody up here. Hi, I am Dr. James Ahrens, the ADHD author and veterinarian. Come listen to a shit-stomping nanny as Mary and I drive to bluegrass country, where she performed in a concert in Little Rock, Arkansas, and appeared on TV in Nashville, Tennessee. I'll stop talking while Rick Bear, a member of Mary's Leaner, Lunker, and Betsy band, plays Rocky Top, Tennessee on his banjo. I'm jumping in here because Brian's ready to narrate the Great American Road Show. 
Chapter 31 of my autobiography, Fear of Failure. We'll let Rick continue when Brian's done. Chapter 31 The Great American Roadshow. A few weeks following the fire, Mary asked me if I wanted to go on a trip with her. John McEwen of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band asked her to perform in Little Rock, Arkansas in late August. He sponsored a show called the Great American Roadshow, where he arranged musicians and singers to be part of a musical extravaganza that showcased in outdoor venues in various cities during the summer. I agreed to go along. At the time, I had little overhead and could take a couple of weeks off from my practice to accompany her. Besides performing in Little Rock, Mary set up other appointments to see if she could revitalize her singing career. Her record company became insolvent, and she needed another label. Evidently, financial instability is common in the biz. Two of Mary's record companies went down the tubes. Areola Records was Mary's first label, producing two of her albums, Torn Between Two Lovers and In Your Eyes. RSO, another record label, picked up Mary's contract. She released a third album and resumed touring to promote her songs and perform concerts. The tour was centered in the East Asian area, starting in Hong Kong. Things with RSO were happening for her. The tour was going well. By the time the band was in Bangkok, halfway through the two-month tour, Mary had acquiesced to her band members' pleas and paid for their spouses slash girlfriends to fly over to finish the trip, doubling the number of people on tour to 16. While she was in Bangkok, Mary received worried messages from the concert promoters in Australia. RSO, her record company, stopped providing advertising funds for all their concerts. Mary and her manager, Jay, left Melanie, the road manager, to babysit the band in Bangkok while they flew to Australia. The five band members were all men, and they needed babysitting. Even with their wives and girlfriends, they had too much free time while the stars were away. They spent their days on the rooftop smoking tie sticks with a janitor from the hotel. In Australia, Mary learned RSO was folding. Deciding to cut her losses, she flew back to Bangkok, gathered the band, and returned to the United States. Mary lost four weeks of concert revenue and decided she'd had enough. She left the music business and came to Creston, and that's when I came into her life. On the trip to Little Rock, we drove east in Mary's Mazda pickup truck. It was a small truck with a camper shell on it. I built a sleeping platform that fit inside. We had access to our supplies under the platform and could sleep in the camper shell above the platform which created little headroom during sleep, which made me somewhat anxious and uncomfortable while Mary felt protected. Still, I was game for a road trip and was undeterred by my panicky feelings. Even so, when I slept on the platform, I was surprised how small the space was. We began our trip traveling east on Highway 40, drove 8-10 to 10 hours a day and stayed at the KOA campgrounds for two nights. When we arrived in Little Rock, we found our way to the hotel where the event organizers were staying. We checked in, washed up, and headed down to the bar-slash-restaurant area to network with others involved in the festival. John McEwen was sitting at a large round table with six others. After introductions, we were invited to sit down. I pulled over two chairs. The seating area was getting crowded, so I settled behind Mary as she sat at the table. This group became a magnet for others. Soon, the second tier of seating which I started began filling up. I was not familiar with anyone in the group. Drinks and appetizers were ordered and passed around. When I offered to buy a round of appetizers, they declined my offer, a benefit of being with one of the celebrities. The concert, scheduled the next day at an outdoor park next to the Arkansas River, was well attended. It was festival-style, where people sat on gradually rising grassy slopes, looking down onto the stage. This entire milieu is cool. 
I thought, as I listened to the performers, wondering what future options would unfold for me in this new relationship. I felt the excitement of fame influencing me, a thing I ran from for so long. But why did I shun anything casting a person in the public spotlight? Why? Whatever this was, wherever it came from, it felt wicked in a fun sense. I was freeloading on another's prestige, and I liked this. It took a lot of financial responsibility off my shoulders. After the concert, Mary and I went for a walk in the warm night. We wandered along an old railroad right of way. The grass was green and fragrant, the night was not excessively humid, and the fireflies began their twinkling. The next morning, we headed off to Nashville, staying east on Highway 40. Just outside of Nashville, we pulled into a one-story brick motel. The air was thick with moisture as we unloaded our stuff and made our way to the room. Now Mary needed a hotel room because she had lots of things planned in Nashville and she required a shower and a mirror to put on makeup. It was fun for me because it got me out of the cramped sleeping quarters in the back of the pickup. Mary had spent a few years in Nashville before her hit song, Torn, debuted. She met and worked with composers and songwriters doing commercials and singing backup to various bands. This trip was a way to reconnect with some of those connections. She was scheduled for a TV interview the next morning in Nashville. When we left the motel for the interview, I was struck by the bright greenish hue of the surrounding forest. Besides the visual assault of my eyes, I heard the loud zzzz noise of the cicadas in the trees. I had not listened to this sound since I was a youngster growing up in Ohio. The noise was all around me. We were indeed in a forest. As I looked around, I could envision a giant forest canopy stretching for hundreds of miles in this region before roads were paved in asphalt and cement. We arrived at the studio and she was led straight to makeup where she sat in a barber-type chair while an expert painted and brushed her face. Periodically, people came in to ask her questions, scurrying off to fill another niche in the TV program. Mary was ready to be interviewed by a commentator on the daily TV show for country music. With her makeup finished, we were led into the TV set. I sat behind the facade and watched while Mary answered questions and explained things to the commentator. Her song Torn was played as part of the program. After the interview, we went to Operaland Amusement Park. Mary loved going on the roller coasters. Whenever she headlined an amusement park, she beelined it to the roller coasters in between performances. As her time was limited, she was usually put at the front of the line. Ah, the perks of being famous. The next morning, we went to a diner that offered grits. They all served grits, and she wanted me to partake of the entire Southern experience. After breakfast, we drove over to Music Row, an area of Nashville home to many music-related businesses including music publishing houses. This is the heart of country music. Mary arranged meetings with two of the music publishers. She went in to talk while I waited in the truck reading a book. After her sessions, we drove southwest through the town of Franklin into Leaper's Fork to meet up with her old friend Gene Cotton, a prominent singer and songwriter in the late 1970s. Mary had stayed with him whenever she had to spend time in Nashville. We stayed overnight at Gene's home. While we were on the porch drinking beverages and conversing, our attention was diverted. An insect that looked like a long stick, eight inches long and three-quarters inch thick, with six wings, was slowly hovering through the air, making a slow forward motion right in the front porch. It looked like a military helicopter with a heavy load, reminding me again we were indeed in the middle of a very lush, green, and humid woodland. The appearance of mosquitoes thirty minutes later drove us inside the house. The next day we left Tennessee driving south through Alabama. A person knows they are in the far south when the soil becomes red from being saturated with iron oxides or rust. Mile after mile this red color stays in the clay soil. 
Another feature of the far cell is the habit of car watching. Mary told me whenever they became bored, which seems quite often in that area, the guys pick up a six-pack of beer and park their cars facing the main roadway through town. Then they can drink while they monitor their cars going by. Sometimes they chase after foreigners, who is anyone they do not know. Mary had this happen to her some years ago during one of her trips to a recording session in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. She and her first husband were driving south in their hippie Volkswagen van. When they stopped for gas in Texas late at night, they were harassed and chased by two truckloads of drunk men. When we stopped that day, I sensed eyes on us, and Mary said we needed to leave as soon as possible once we filled up the tank. At Birmingham, we turned southwest towards New Orleans, until we hit Highway 10. We headed west on Highway 10, crossing causeways bisecting the vast Mississippi Delta region. The sun was dropping, it was almost dark, and we could see the roadway covered with the slimy bodies of frogs, salamanders, and lizards. We drove on without identifying the roadkill further. Somewhere just west of Baton Rouge, we pulled off to sleep for the night, deciding to car camp. I told Mary I didn't want to stay in the claustrophobic cabin area and suggested we remove the mattress from the camper shell and sleep out in the open. We pulled out two sleeping bags, the pillows, and a sheet and settled down for the sleep. Fairly quickly, the air above us started getting louder and louder with the buzzing of mosquitoes. This was too much for Mary, who had grown up in Minnesota. She pulled off a sleeping bag and a pillow and went straight back into her camper cocoon. I was more steadfast. I threw the sheet over my head and slept without any trouble. Today, Mary tells people I woke up with bites all over me, but I feel that was an enormous exaggeration. The next day, we packed up our gear and headed to Austin, Texas to see John B. John was a hospital administrator who had spent a week up in Monterey, California on a business trip, visiting the lounge at the Doubletree where Mary was performing. Intrigued by her singing, he showed up to hear her every night when he was in Monterey. During a break, he offered Mary a drink and began a conversation, and which ultimately led him to decide he wanted to help Mary jumpstart her career. Now we were on our way to visit Mr. John B. We spent a few days sightseeing around Austin. I was, however, becoming anxious. I needed to get back home, and so Mary and I went to a travel agent to arrange a plane to San Luis Obispo for me. Mary stayed a few more days and drove the three days from Texas to home by herself. She didn't mind. She loved road trips. End of chapter. Thank you all for listening. You can follow the story on my blog, jeadvm.com. Once on my blog's front page, go to the menu, pick my books, and click on Fear of Failure. The entire autobiography can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book, or an e-book, as well as an 11-disc audiobook set, or can be downloaded from the audiobook site ACX. More details are available on my website, jeadvm.com. Now, as promised, I'm tuning back to Rick Bear as he banjos the rest of Rocky Top, Tennessee.
Congratulations. Thank you.